failure to see this whole model in context when we look at COVID has detrimental effects. And an example is here where I live. We had leadership who made a comment that, um, you know, our numbers are rising because people are, one, not staying home, and two, people with very large families are still having gatherings, meeting at each other's homes. And he, this leader singled out a specific ethnic community saying they they have large families and they are contributing to why our numbers are rising. And if you look at the city where I live, um, a certain area of the city has higher numbers and this city, this area of the city with higher numbers has uh, a lot more racial diversity. And so it just kind of singled out this ethnic group and just racialized people in general saying that they're the reason why COVID's going up. They're not staying home. They're not following the rules. And it was like, whoa, 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 whoa. If we look at this social ecological model. This is the Public Health Insight Podcast. Before we move on, it is important to note that the views expressed in this podcast are our own and do not represent any of the organizations we work for or are affiliated with. In our previous two episodes, we introduced the socio-ecological model as a cornerstone of public health practice and health promotion. A basic understanding of the socio-ecological model is crucial for identifying reasons why public health issues such as COVID-19 disproportionately affects some populations. This episode brings our discussion full circle as we use COVID-19 as a case study to apply the principles of the socio-ecological model. In terms of the socio-ecological model, there are other real-world examples of applying this model to various public health issues, such as, you know, in environmental action, promoting vaccines, which is a very hot topic lately, physical activity, nutrition, oral health, diabetes, you name it. Um, but one thing that's very real now amongst the other very um, amongst the other things that are also very real in terms of public health is COVID-19. So mm. we want to walk through kind of COVID-19 as a case study of how to apply the socio-ecological model just to give people an understanding of um, there's a lot of news right now, for example, about vaccine hesitancy in like the black community and people might be struggling to um, relate to that situation because they're maybe in their ancestry there was no historical oppressions and that nature the socio-ecological model like we said um, allows us to develop an understanding of the unique context behind each population and how that influences their decision making and their ability to be healthy so we're going to go through use um, COVID-19 as a case study to apply the socio-ecological model starting with the individual level so let's talk about some of those individual level um, sphere of influences and some examples related to COVID-19. So when I first look at, you know, COVID and individual level, I think a lot of our prevention policy is here. Wear a mask, choose to stay home, social distance. It's you. The onus is on you as an individual to, you know, personal hygiene, to make those choices so that you don't get sick and you don't get other people sick. Um, and I, I mean, it's effective to a degree, but I have critiques, but we can keep going. Yeah. And another factor would be, I guess, the individual's biological or genetic makeup. Do they have uh, chronic conditions that may make them more susceptible to contracting COVID-19? As well as um, individual health literacy. Um, and I think that also comes in um, in the form of whatever information is available to the individual is it available in um, a la language um, that's under easily understood 
problem. So, so you know, it's not using a lot of scientific jargon, not using a lot of big, you know, smart sounding words. And also, is it available in a language that the person can just understand at all? It's like if the individual can't understand English or French, then what's the use? You know, even having very easily understood documents if um, if you can't get the message across. Right. Even for the you talk about too that um, well the the medium in which is presented. So mm-hmm. we talk about the visual impaired and hearing impaired. You know, the visual impaired if they're not able to read resources, and then you know the website doesn't have accessibility accessibility built into it. Read out loud features, maybe they're not able to access that information. Yeah, and it, so and I wanted to also touch on Linda's example. So, mask wearing, um, in terms of you know the individual level factors and and uh, individual level sphere of influence, and self-efficacy is also influenced by interpersonal. So, do your the friends that you're supposed to or you're not supposed to be hanging out with during COVID, are they wearing masks? Is it a norm within your group to wear a mask? So mm-hmm. maybe you would wear a mask on your own, but you're influenced by your peers to not wear the mask because they may or may not believe it either works or if COVID-19 is real, which then influences your decision whether you will wear a mask while you're hanging out with them. So that's another key part of the interpersonal uh, level sphere of influence. With interpersonal, you know, let's say you live in a large family household and so like trying to social distance from your family that may not be possible but what if let's say you live in a large family with people who are um at higher risk to contract covid maybe through their work exposure and so then you may contract covid from someone who works um you know as an essential worker and you didn't do anything wrong right but it's just your interpersonal environment is what led led, um led to that so i mean that's uh a yeah, but then on the other hand, these like vulnerable individuals within these families have, say, a stronger interpersonal uh, and relationship conditions, and that helps them in terms of accessibility to vaccines, like health measures to counteract COVID nineteen, and um, for for example, say if um, there is material out there that talks about how to you know personal hygiene and all that and say it's inaccessible to the person if they read it firsthand well their social network the family would help them out with that so it would be more accessible to them another thing for that too is in those i guess multi-generational households is what they would call it um we know that social isolation and loneliness are a um, key public health issue that stems you know prior to the pandemic and even more so now so maybe families in those situations though they're subject to things like overcrowding which is a risk factor for COVID-19 may also be protected from the um, secondary um, health issues that result from COVID-19 in that they do have social supports that are easily accessible but I also want to touch back on the individual level sphere of influence where um, we touched on it earlier um, gender is an individual level sphere sphere of influence, and we know that essential workers are most most likely to be uh, female. Um, so, if we have a situation where in COVID nineteen females are disproportionately likely to be um, working in essential roles that are you know still going on because of the pandemic, their risk fact their risk for contracting the disease is higher, and then there's a susceptibility there from dying from the disease. So, we can see then that individual level factors are influenced by the policy level, the decision to allow only essential work to be open 
and uh, there's that bi-directional relationship there as well yeah as well as gender-based violence as yeah, well definitely mm. staying home and another individual factor is um like immigration status and that could also tie into policy but you know in alberta anyway a lot of newcomers um are uh, so having higher rates of covid due to a higher number of newcomers are essential workers and work right. in working conditions that may not be as safe so that could also right. be institutional absolutely and moving to to organizational practices or organize the organizational or institutional sphere of influence one one thing that comes to mind is um if you work in an industry where you have the ability to remote work remotely so your risk of of getting the disease might be lower than someone who has to actually physically report to work and be at a higher risk of exposure so that's how the the institutional level can influence your ability to be healthy as well in terms of um organizational institutional if you have paid sick time that would influence if you will stay home if you feel unwell versus going to work and potentially infecting others yeah and another thing with the institution and organizational level even though there's policies at the higher levels of the spheres that are influencing some of the rules and internal policies that they make the application and actual practicality of implementing those policies vary widely between organizations whether it's a small business or a larger corporation even within organizations that you know let's say you have two or two companies or two organizations where they are deemed essential and you have to come um work in person how they make the space safe and what regulations and um, rules are are in place to ensure the safety of the employees that it can it can vary you know a lot between the two organizations and that, that can have a lot of it um like an impact on the safety and uh, wellness of the workers exactly and in line with lashan's example about um policies being set at the you know provincial or regional level affecting institutional policies one thing that comes to mind is the under the occupational health and safety act there's the the requirement for a medical note when someone has to miss work for for ill for the purposes of illness i believe has been waived indefinitely to uh, because of covid-19 so if the if the work environment or the institution um puts up barriers for these individuals who need to miss time off work even though there is a overarching policy that can also make the individuals life difficult as well mm-hmm. yeah and another thing with this is there's two things at least that I want to bring up for this as well the first would be now that certain organizations and institutions have access to vaccinations how are they going to distribute that in a, you know an equitable way and I guess That's an episode all in it all in itself, <laughs> eh? <laughs> no, for sure. Yeah. And I guess the other thing, due to the burden of COVID-19, health staff are now having to make the cha- uh, the the decisions about how to prioritize different equipment such as ventilators and what are the policies behind that to make sure um individuals get that the help that they need. And even mental health support for uh a lot of frontline workers, hospital mm-hmm. staff, at the institutional level burnout is so real right now you know yeah. seeing people die it's like how do you keep going how do you stay you know motivated to do your job there's um example of where failure at the institutional level um happens say uh, in Egypt um so a hospital that 
um, had a lot of uh, COVID-19 patients on ventilators. Um, and like that was the situation until um, one morning, like uh, the hospital ran out of oxygen. Like that failure led to a lot of death, unnecessary death in the hospital. If you search up, it's very it's like it, it hits you on the emotional level. Like the so, organizational's yeah. failure led to these preventable catastrophes. This is very disturbing, mm. but it becomes even more disturbing if we factor in that certain groups are disproportionately more likely to get sick and hospitalized from COVID-19 and therefore require ventilators to survive. So if this action or error led to the death of the disproportionate death of certain groups, it's even more tragic than just, um, you know, the overall running out of oxygen. Because that's like a, like a public hospital. I mean, mm, exactly. yeah. So like there that's more dedicated to like people who are on the lower socioeconomic status. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Exactly. And one thing, uh, just to answer LaShawn's question too, the pro- the government of Ontario does have a framework for equity for distributing the vaccines, which is factored into their decision making on prioritizing different populations. As a side note, at the community level, we know that small businesses are disproportionately affected by um, COVID-19 due to the restrictions in place that have led to their closures. And we know there's a lot of kind of grassroots things going on right now, encouraging people to, um, if they are to get takeout, to to buy from these smaller businesses in terms of restaurants mm-hmm. um, in order to support them through these difficult times because they have less access to financial resources to stay open compared to maybe the more franchise-related businesses. And I think there's like broader implications to COVID-19 and its effect on the community. If we consider that individuals also play part and make up a community, if these individuals are interacting less often physically and with different events that are going in the community, there's going to be some sort of breakdown in sort of that camaraderie and that Mm -hmm. community building aspect of this. So we don't know what the implications of that is currently, but um, that's just something to consider when we're thinking about these different things. I think that's an awesome point with Sean. And I think it's, you know, even factoring, let's say, you know, you have a really close knit community and one member of the community, unfortunately, passes away from COVID. What kind of impacts will that have on the rest of the community? You know, someone who's been maybe there for 30 years or plus, or even just like, you know, it's it has almost gotten to a point where you almost blend community with the interpersonal, right? And that, that aspect coming into Exactly. And if you consider the fact that that individual that may have died from COVID was a really prominent member and, you you know, really rallied up the community, it could be devastating. Mm-hmm. Or not being able to mourn together. Exactly. To be isolated. Yeah. Oh gosh, yeah. Mm. Something I wanted to mention with community, um, you know, going back to er, the, the built environment side of things is, you know, even things like how the community is is planned and designed and what resources it has. So, you know, um, in Canada, at least, and in Ontario, and I'm sure in Alberta as well, Linda, they, the government, as although they, they are issuing lockdown orders, they are still encouraging people to you know, go for wellness walks, go outdoors, exercise, things like that. And um, for me personally, I live, I know I'm very um, privileged and I live in a community where we have a lot of trails, a lot of green space to engage in these activities. But if you're in an in- individual who lives in, you know, in, in an environment that's not conducive for these ex- um, activities, it, that not only affects your physical health, but in things like um, your mental health as well is is going to be impacted. And then 
along along those lines, it's the same as you know I currently live in, you know, my, um, with my parents in you know in their home. It's and it's it's a lot of space. It's it's enough. But let's say you're living in um, you know smaller, cramped, um, not the not the safest, not the most um, optimal housing, and you, you you know you have very in very close proximity with other individuals that. Um, not only increases your risk of contracting COVID, but also um, it can lead to other like, mental and social, um, psychological impacts as well. Great point. Absolutely, and there is, in terms of the like apartment buildings, living in close quarters, there is. Um, I I can't tell you exactly where it happened, but there is um, a building um, that had a COVID nineteen outbreak in like in a residential building because obviously it's 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 close quarters. The the ventilation might not be as great, especially now when winter, when you're not able to open your window because it's too cold. Mm-hmm. So it, it, it does have a real impact too on the, the you know, COVID-19. It seems like a far-fetched example, but it literally has real life implications. And even last year, like when COVID first started, so I was living in Ottawa, um, you know, at my, in my like other um, like condominium like place, right? And there it was like, like, you know, usually people have access to the gym. Um, and but with COVID, the gym is closed. So a lot, for a lot of people, it's like it's that's like one form of exercise or um, you know, physical well-being that's kind of taken out of the equation. And then also, I remember when I was there um, during kind of like the peak of when COVID first started in Canada, even just going out to get groceries, it's like I felt like I was putting myself at risk because it's like I'm not only it's like when I step outside of my my unit it's like i'm exposing myself to the world almost right and then you know going down the stairs down the elevator through the different sets of doors and then trying to you know come back in with all this food it's like it's i, I definitely felt like it, um it had a, a more of a psychological mental impact on me and just a lot of strain in that sense rather than um the physical side of things absolutely and uh, just like that's a good segue into kind of the the bigger picture of tying it all together in terms of the societal and policy level sphere of influences. So in Canada, um, we're privileged in that for the most part, um, we do have a universal healthcare system um, so that if someone is hospitalized because of COVID-19, um, they're, they're less likely to be financially impacted outside of missing work and stuff like that, which does impact someone's income. Um, where in other countries, you know, in the United States, it's unclear whether who... If someone there's stories about people being on ventilators for you know one or two months um so in terms of a medical bill in in um, a jurisdiction or country where universal health care doesn't exist what does that mean for them and their families right mm. and another another um, thing i wanted to touch on um, just to close it off is um we talked about how there's that gender component to covid 19 where um, females are overrepresented in the essential workforce um so therefore um you know things like childcare policies are important so there's a concerted effort um in pretty much all levels of government to support um women who do have children in that they can they're able to go to work uh feel and have safe um childcare for their children so that's another way we can see how societal level influences can influence uh decision making and ability to be healthy failure to see this whole model in context when we look at COVID has detrimental effects. And an example is here where I live. We had leadership who made a comment that, um, you know, 
our numbers are rising because people are one not staying home and two people with very large families are still having gatherings meeting at each other's homes and he, this leader singled out a specific ethnic community saying they mm. they have large mm. families and they are contributing to why our numbers are rising and if you look at the city where i live um a certain area of the city has higher numbers and this city this area of the city with higher numbers has uh, a lot more racial diversity and so it just kind of singled out this ethnic group and just racialized people in general saying that they're the reason why covid's going up they're not staying home they're not following the rules and it was like whoa 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 if we look at the social ecological model we could see that uh this certain group that this leader was talking about also makes up a large amount of the essential worker workforce and so perhaps the reason why covid is higher amongst this community is maybe a more uh on the institutional level that the workplaces are not providing adequate PPE for example or it could be a failure on the part of community at the community level where like um limitations in transportation for example so people have to carpool to be able to get to their work or even failures at the policy level where it's not made possible for people to stay home because the benefits are not as accessible and so the the blame was on the individual and interpersonal but all these other levels were missed where you know a lot of blame could go to our leadership for not acting on these more outward levels of influence and for only putting emphasis on individuals and i thought that was very disappointing um in our leadership because did you look at a socio-ecological model did you see <laughs> that it's not just the individual there's so much more to an issue um and that could influence stigma you know to just say it's the individual's fault um that was right. disappointing the socio-ecological model has been widely adopted in public health and an understanding of this framework is essential for becoming an effective public health advocate and practitioner we want to find out from our audience of public health practitioners at various stages in their career how do you apply the socio-ecological model in your work what are some success stories or challenges you've experienced while incorporating this model into your work message us through our social media or by email We'd love to hear your thoughts. My name is Gordon, your host for this episode, signing off. Thank you for listening to the Public Health Insight Podcast, your go-to space for informative conversations, inspiring community action. If you enjoy our content and would like to stay up to date, follow us on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, and LinkedIn. To learn more about our community initiatives and how you can support us, visit our website at thepublichealthinsight.com. Join the PHI community and let's make public health viral.